Welcome to Gaining Ground, One Day at a Time. Brought to you by Dr. Tron Malachowski. Tron Malachowski here with Gaining Ground One Day at a Time. As you guys know, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, this podcast was specifically put together um, after tens of thousands of patient encounters and beginning to hear that people need to hear more about their life. There's different aspects of people's life that they just really wanted to know more about, whether it's finance, um, whether it's love, whether it's relationships, whether it's about business, concepts, whatever it was. And I just, as, as a doctor and taking care of people, I've been privileged to be around some just incredible mentors. Um, so there's a lot of information that I've been able to glean from some really key people in my life. But I just, in those patient encounters, I didn't have those 15 to 20 minutes to go into a specific topic to help people in a certain area. So I'm like, you know, let's just do this in like 20 to 30 minute sound bites and Gaining Ground was born. Um, the feedback's been awesome. Um, the, the testimonials have been awesome, what's come from it. And today we really have the pleasure of having Miss Dorothea Bernique. Say hi, Dorothea. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, Dorothea um, has been a personal friend for many years. Um, but the, the amazing thing about Dorothea is that she has a heart for God's people and she has a heart for improving the community in a way that God's been able to send her down. It's been fun to watch this path. I, I, I've been part of her path like 10 years into the operation. I've been able to watch it, but I haven't been able to watch it from the very beginning. But the fruits of how she's been able to help the community have just been outstanding. Um, she is an author. She is a founder of Increasing Hope, which the mission behind it is to empower people in the community to understand more about finances so they can improve the quality of their life. You got it. Got it? Um, she has created online training programs for people. She has a staff of about 12 people that she runs, a team, I don't like using the word staff. She has a team of people that she surrounds herself with that are extremely smart. Um, she is a wife, she is a mother of two, um, she is a black entrepreneur that is completely helping change the face of our community. Um, she is a Air Force veteran um, and she is a happily married wife of 41 years. Um, I, I could go on and on, but honestly, I don't want to. I really want to talk about and really just get right into it because you guys can look her up. The website's called increasinghope.org. Yes. Mm -hmm. Dorothea originally started years ago as an insurance agent in her 20s. <laughs> <laughs> she started then and she noticed something while talking to a client that literally changed really the trajectory of her life. And we feel that God was in that, but I don't want to tell that story. 
I want her to tell that story so that you guys understand her heart, where she comes from, and where we going with this. So, you're up, girl. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and you are absolutely right. We've been friends for many, many years, and my story about this young man is that I remember he and his newlywed bride. I remember them walking to uh, a church that we attended together, Faith Assembly, and they were just a beautiful couple, and I watched them grow grow up and now begin grow their family. So when I met you, you did not even have the girls. They were still a twinkle in you guys' no. eyes, no. right? And no. We were new. <laughs> exactly, brand new. And so it's just been fun watching you guys grow, you professionally and you and your family uh, as a whole. So congratulations to you. And, uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, if you, my story, oh my, I, I don't think I was 20 because I had grown children. I was at a stage in my life where it was like, now I've raised a family. Yeah. I can get out and you know do something different or whatever. So it's like, well, I'm going to go to work. I've been a homemaker, Air Force spouse yeah. for many years. And um, I thought that I had a heart for serving the community. I knew and I recognized that there was a need for the body of Christ to learn how to do better with their finances, mm -hmm. how to better manage their finances. I recognized inside the body of Christ. And so that was that was a goal. I thought it was going to be by becoming a licensed insurance agent, investment advisor, maybe starting a business in that way, being able to advise. I had volunteered for Crown Ministries for many years sure. uh, within the community when that ministry was going, and they would have community uh, counselors that people could get referred to. I had done that, and just thought, this is what I want to do. I would love to help people in this area. And uh, it was the day, again, in growing my insurance uh, business, young and young in my career, very young in my career, that a young lady sat down in front of me who was supposed to be in my office to do uh, an investment. And she looked across the desk during our conversation and she just sternly looked me in my face and said, Miss Dorothea, what's investing? Wow. And literally, it was like a physical line was drawn in the sand. Right. You know, and spiritually, it was like, God, okay, I hear you. This is not the exact vehicle that you had in mind. Right. I knew the work was great. I knew the need was great. Right. But uh, there were and there were also so many limitations on me from the standpoint of being insurance and investment licensed from compliance. You know, I, I had a radio show. I wanted to do a radio show. I wanted to do outreach. I wanted to do trainings. And, and I was always being blocked because of compliance reasons anyway. Uh, can't say this and can't do that. That literally, you know, that experience just caused me to realize the depth of the need yeah. within the community, and like so I got, literally walked away. Like you got, we got some work we, we got to do. There is a great, I mean, I knew we needed to be educated, we needed to become, and there was room for us to become more knowledgeable so we could make better choices sure. about our finances, and we make 30 to 40 financial decisions a day, right. every day, right? And, and sometimes not knowing what this meant or what this means or how does this work can have a detrimental impact on the way individuals live their lives with the effect that they would, would get from understanding how a mortgage works or this or that and the other. So I, I, I started a nonprofit organization. I walked away from a possible great career, I feel yeah. like, a hard worker. Yeah. Um, and I started this nonprofit organization, knew nothing about nonprofits. I bootstrapped it every step of the way. So you just drew a line I just drew a line. I like... just said, this is not the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. I, I need to do it this way. I desire. I want to help people. I don't want to be limited in my desire to help. Wow, people. wow. So, so there was was there fear involved with that? Like, did you just not even think about it and say, "This is what God wants me to do"? You just dive right into it. I just dive right in. I you just, just knew I, it. I, I, I just knew it with with everything within me. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
for me, and as far as my faith walk was concerned, yeah. I was more concerned about being obedient to what I heard than I was fearful. Okay. Gotcha. So you were asking God in the process of that as you were moving down yeah. that road, mm -hmm. and you, every door was open. Yeah. I, well, nothing ever worthwhile is easy. So I want to starting a nonprofit from scratch, having no funders, no right. donors, and right. so I, I jokingly always tell people it was funded by the Bank of Bernique, right? Uh, which my husband was so generous to, to and and the way that we had, you know, definitely not rich or wealthy in any way, but the way we managed our finances allowed me to walk away hmm. from a job and say this is the way I we, we would choose to use the finances that we did have, which was to start to build and grow this organization. Gotcha. Yeah. And the, the mission behind it was to always empower the community to be in a better position after they worked with you than before. Definitely. The uh, increasing hope, hope is an acronym, and it's for helping others prosper economically. Hmm. And I, uh, that was a divine download, literally. Sure. I had that acronym before I even realized what increasing hope was supposed to be. Hmm. I just knew I was supposed to help people in the area of personal finances. And uh, increasing hope was, was the name that God gave me. Sure. I like that because our mission has always been increasing the quality of people's lives mm -hmm. right, yeah. through the work that we do. Yeah. So what, is that, what does that look like for people? Give me the standard type of person that is either walking in or the person that can be helped the most. Kind of create mm -hmm. that um, scenario for me or give me an example or a testimonial. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is what we say is that our ideal client is, a, is an, any, an individual with an income who wants to learn how to do better with what they have. Okay. And so for us, what we understand, and I've been doing this for over almost 18, well, 18 years, um, is that this is an area, a soft skill that is needed within our community and our society that transcends all social economic boundaries. Hmm. So what I mean by that is that it's not the amount of money that you have that that makes the difference or makes the greatest impact is how you manage the money that you have. Sure. And so that's where the lack is, and that's what the focus of increasing hope is. So we have individuals that come in and they're receiving maybe government assistance, working part-time jobs, doing this and that. But I've also had a physician sit down in front of me with a one hundred thousand dollar income who was bouncing checks, and so it's the skill set right. that's lacking and the right. need for for not financial capacity building within us. As individuals, that is the focus. That's very interesting. I'm gonna, I may even touch on a hot topic here for a second, and we're probably gonna jump off of it. But it's interesting you bring that up because when I hear you say that, that tells me that you're seeing black people, white people, yeah. Asian people, people from all ethnicities, exactly. mm -hmm. and for people that aren't making a lot of money, right? right? Mm -hmm. So minimum wage jobs, yeah. or people that may be on public assistance, yes. unemployed. Mm -hmm all the way up to physicians. To pro career professionals. Right, that yeah. the standard is that these people are making it and living right. it and they have it all together. Right. Which, let's break down some barriers. Not every, not all, not what you see exactly. is actually yeah. what is. Right, exactly. Right? Because we don't okay. know the debt level. We don't know the, the obligations. We don't know the mistakes that have been made. We don't know whether they've been through a divorce or lost a spouse. We don't know their story. Right. 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 And everybody's got one. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's one of the world is so can be viral and toxic to the mm -hmm. fact that we have this black white divide or we have this socioeconomic divide. And 
I, I like to say that I, I don't necessarily want to think that way. I don't want to be biased in the way that I look at things. Mm -hmm. I want people to know that there's a reason why people make the choices that they do. Right. Um, and that can come from family, that can come from, from bias in general, mm -hmm. is that what can we work on doing as humans, mm -hmm. God's people, to make better choices right. and learn from that. Mm -hmm. So, again, let's work on an example of a, a, a classic type of person or a scenario where you worked with someone where you worked on helping them. Bring me through what that looks like. Sure. I'll give you an example of an individual because again, the age, there's a huge age difference in there too, from young people to older people that we serve as well. Well, there was a young lady that came in, took a class with us, went through the whole uh, budgeting, this, that, and the other concept, learning about budgeting for, for the first time. Now, this was an almost 60-year-old person that had never heard the concepts and the, uh, the construct of how do I actually put a budget, budget together, how does it work, how can it change my life? to sitting in a class, hearing the information, working with our counselors, creating a budget, to sitting in our office with tears in her eyes on her 60th birthday saying, this is the first budget I've ever done. Wow. Okay? Wow. And so, so those are the types of, those are the types of impacts of, or, the, or, the, or the opportunity to save someone's home for foreclosure because as housing counselors, we sit down in front and we're able to pick up the phone and call that lender and have conversations with them asking the right questions that a client, that an individual doesn't know yeah. that they should ask in reference to trying to find that information about how do they save their home from foreclosure. Sure. So, yeah. Let me go back to your budget for a second. Yeah. The 60 year old with a budget, mm -hmm. When she learned that, mm -hmm. where was she having trouble? So what was she having trouble with? Not necessarily the budget aspect yeah. of it, where was she having trouble in her life? Mm -hmm. And once she was able to put that in place, what did she gain from it? Mm -hmm. And how was she able to move forward? Right. Not only was, was this an example of this particular lady, but it happens with many of our clients, which okay. is understanding how budgeting works and addressing our behavior with our personal finances helps us find money. Hmm. Okay? And so, and so when we help individuals see that, they actually have more money and can do more with what they have because now they understand a little bit better about how money actually works. And we help them identify what we have named and coined as spending leaks in their, in their money management behavior, they realize they can do more, they can actually accomplish more, and that the money is there. So, so you're plugging holes in the bucket, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. By teaching behavioral changes, by sometimes just teaching concepts, yeah. and, 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 uh, and uh, how money works, and teaching them about how money works. Interesting. Yeah. Talk to me about the psychology of that. Like, um, uh, people just approach money different ways. Yeah. That could be evil, that it could be, you know, only the rich have money. Uh, like, my family never had money, so I'm never going to have money. Uh, you know, I've, I've always been hand-to-mouth growing up. I'm going to be like that my entire life. Like, are there any, like, psychological, mental barriers that are common that you guys see that you work on breaking down mm -hmm. specifically and, like, helping people realize that although you've experienced that, that isn't necessarily true. Right, right. Okay. So you're, that's my, one of my favorite topics. Okay. Well, great. 
I didn't know Basically, that. Good. They, well, uh, I have a passion about it because it's the thing that is able to break the cycle in an individual's life or to help them. Okay, so uh, as both people of faith, we understand that there can be, and that there are usually, strongholds sure. in people's lives. There are things that, that behaviors, mindsets, attitudes that hold them, keep take them captive, right? So again, God ministering to me and instructing me on how to serve people. As I was helping people do budgets, it's like, why do people struggle so much? That was a question I was asking. Why are they struggling? Why are they struggling? And part of it was, and what I perceived from that, and what God revealed to me is that because we're not getting to the root of the problem. Hmm. Not being able to manage their money well is, was a symptom and a sign. But what was at the root? Why? And so why? The why? The why? The why? So in researching and learning and, and trying to figure this out and, and asking God for this, what I learned is that we, we have experiences. When it comes to our money mindset, they stem from just like anything else in our lives, the experiences that we've had, the things that we've seen, the examples that have been set before us. Those are what's at the root of how we manage our money. And so just like anything else, those things tag along with us like a backpack. We put it on our back and we carry it along with us. And so now the money-making decisions and choices that I'm making are rooted in the fact that when I was growing up, I never had anything. So I'm gonna work hard and make sure that my children have everything that they want. That's a response to the to the flashpoint of the experience that you have. And yeah. you are carrying that along with you for every choice that you make, every decision that you make, and everything that's influencing your money behavior. So when so now what I did is I wrote a class that and we take people and individuals through a process where we identify their money mindset. We identify their flashpoint. We identify the behavior, the experiences, the, uh, uh, the incident, anything that, that is attractive to, and, that, and is tied to how they manage their money. Have you gone through a divorce? I can give you tons of examples. Sure. The person who, the gentleman who worked hard, brought his check home, gave it to the wife to pay the bills. Right. She mismanaged the money. Right end up losing a home in divorce. He walks into my class and he says, after I helped him identify, he says, nobody's never gonna tell me what to do with my money. He says that Spirit. because of that experience that he had that's now impacting the way he manages his money. Moving so forward. we had to show him, teach him and train him that you need to rewrite your story. Your story can no longer be no one's gonna tell me what to do with my money. Because I ask him, it's like, sir, well, do you want to be married again? And I say, oh, yeah, 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 I want someone else in my life. It's like, well, you can't ask that person to be in your life with that attitude. And with that, with, and you see what I'm saying? With right. that story. So you have, to rewrite your, you have to rewrite your story. What do you need to do to tell so that your story is different? So that now you're saying something different to yourself. Well, he learned that he had to say, you know what? I will be a part of the money management or the financial decisions in my home now. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? He had to rewrite, so rewrite that. Every one of us have a script. Every one of us are saying something to ourselves. My personal one yeah. was, I'm helping people when I don't ask. Let me show you. In my example, being when I grew up, we probably were lived in poverty and I didn't even recognize it or know it. Didn't have a lot. I had a dad that would bring home the finances to mom, only give what he thought she should have, and she had to make it work. 
And so what I realized as a young child growing up and seeing that is that I just won't ask mom for things. I just won't ask. I'm helping her. I'm not, as a teenager, I won't ask for the kids' shoes or the jeans or whatever the right. style was. I won't ask. You didn't want to stress her out. Well, we you knew exactly. it was short. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So I grew up with that. When I got married and we were a young military family, you my husband, Amer uh, uh, Airman First Class, and, and we would qualify for WIT with our children, get the cheese and the cereals like everybody else, it was like, I will not ask for things. The way that I can help my husband and help us get through things, as long as we have a roof over our head, the kids have the pampers and the diapers, I will not ask for a lot of things. My script was, I'm helping people when I don't ask. Interesting. Well then when I grew up and started a nonprofit organization, and would have people come into my office and receive services. Yeah. And and I struggled with asking them because I just wanted to help. Yeah. My script was hindering me from being able to take my organization to the next level because it was hard for me to ask people to pay for what I was doing. So when I wrote this program and yeah. did this, I discovered my own script. Right. You I discovered my yourself. own script and I had to then put it, I had to rewrite my script. It's like, it's when people can't pay for services or, or in a position, whatever, it's okay not to ask. But in, there are some situations where I need to ask and I should. So I had to rewrite that script. And even then you bring people around you to help you implement your new script, whereas my staff would then say, you coach them, counsel them, love on them, send them to the front desk, we'll ask for the money. You have a problem asking for the money? We don't have a problem. But that was my script. My script, I learned that my own script was, I am helping people when I don't ask. Gotcha. Each of us, there's a proper time for that script and there's an improper time. It doesn't mean it's necessarily totally wrong, Yeah. but there's a right and a wrong side. So you were able to notice a, a deficiency or a hole in your own life, right? You're able to recognize that. Fortunately, you were able to create a team that can work on not healing you of that, yeah. but work on taking care of it. Yeah, well changing my script and healing me, because I, I, now, I now no longer have a problem asking. We have programs that we charge people for fees. What I'm saying is that there are things in our lives, all of us, yeah. that we have gone through, experienced, heard, or seen, that's impacting the way we manage money or the decisions. Mine wasn't a bad one just because I wanted to help people. It didn't impact me in such a way as that my finances were messed up. Right. It didn't impact me in that way, right. but it did impact the fact that I struggled with, uh, at, at a point, it got to a point where it impacted me because I was trying to grow a business now. I was trying to grow an organization, but that script was with me. And you're getting it was on the inside life. of me and I didn't even recognize it. So how did you heal from it? How did you move past that? When I, rec when I recognized, once again, the strengths of that script and then the negative part of the script. So we have services now the way I handle that. We have a sliding scale. If you come in and you cannot pay, you don't get asked to pay or there's no expectation. And some of our services are totally free. But then when we have individuals that come in with income levels of a certain level, then that sliding scale helps us be able to charge a fee. Gotcha. So everyone has a flashpoint. Yeah. Everyone has an experience, has had an experience with money. Examples, especially in the African-American community, could be they grew up and they went shopping every Saturday. You grew up going shopping every Saturday, so now as an adult, you, you go shopping thing. every Saturday and you don't even realize. Whether you have money or not. Whether, some, whether you have money or not, you just put on the charge card. Because that is an expectation, that is something, that is your script. You're telling yourself, some of us are telling ourselves on paydays, I deserve this. That's mm -hmm. your script. Yeah. Whether you have it or not. Whether you have it or not. Interesting.
That's really interesting. So what's your script, Dr. Tron? Now you can go home and do this exercise. That's <laughs> <laughs> really interesting. You know, my, um, my mother, I grew up with a single mother. We grew up in a single wide trailer um, in a rural community in the farms of Pennsylvania. And my mother made $4,000 a year as a part-time bus driver. Mm. And my mom was an amazing mother, and she still is to this day. Mm -hmm. And she provided an amazing life, and I had a great support system mm -hmm. with my family. Um, we went on vacations once a year to Virginia Beach. Like, it was, it was, a, it was an awesome life. Mm -hmm. um, did I ever get things less? Um... I had, I had an amazing family and I had toys and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do I, if I look back at my life as a kid then, as you know, four or five, six, seven years old compared to what other kids grew up with, sure I have things less, but my mom did everything that she mm -hmm. could and she mm -hmm. poured into me, mm -hmm. which I'm certainly grateful for. But with that and growing up in that environment, there's a lot of things that I didn't learn about money or was taught to me for my family. So I had to get around, I had to pay to get around mentors in my life to learn that stuff. Mm -hmm. Drawbacks, holes in the bucket. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, at a really young age, because I was, I was an only child too, I used to play Monopoly all the time. Mm -hmm. And I used to play Monopoly with my cousins, and I would even play Monopoly by myself. And then, like they make up friend, like friends are there too. But I feel like I learned some pretty important principles from playing Monopoly yeah. by keeping money because if I spent it all, I wouldn't have any money to get houses or hotels. Mm -hmm. And like that, that was extremely valuable. Yeah. And even to this day, if, if I want something that's really that's expensive, I'll sit on it for months, in some cases years. Mm -hmm because I know what I want and I know the value of right. it. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could credit that to Monopoly. I'm not really quite sure. Um, but if we dug deep enough, we could probably find some other things in there too. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not really sure. <laughs> so that's actually, that's a really good question. I'd have, yeah. I'd have to dig into that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but people know me and know that I'm, I'm, I've just been good at saving. Yeah. You know? yeah. That experience with 10 and it normally tends to frugality in, in yeah. Yeah. Well, as I became more successful in the office, I had a mentor of mine that said, you need to work on taking the padlock off of your wallet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And Eric and I yeah. were at the dinner table at that point, And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, like you've been mm -hmm. able to take care of people yeah. well. Mm -hmm. And you guys have experienced that. He's like, you, you got become more successful. You weren't the, the broke, I shouldn't use the word broke, the person that you used to be. Mm -hmm. You become mm -hmm. stronger than where you right. were before mm -hmm. and you can start to do the things that you wanted to do. And that was a re that was a revelation yeah. for me because no one really ever told me that before. Right. And that was a new place in my life that I had never been. Mm -hmm. um, which was an interesting point. Yeah. You know, I mentored a lot of doctors over the years and I've taught them that listen because of that experience, you're going to be able to get to a point in your life where you're going to be able to be around people or do things mm -hmm. that you may have not been able to do before right. and embrace that. Mm -hmm. That's a new experience yeah. because yeah. It's, a, it's a result of the hard work that you mm -hmm. put in to take care of people. So, And, and I, I remember having a conversation with a young lady, I, I, again, 
we have all kinds of experience where a, a person had worked 20, 30 years, retired, and come in and said, uh, you know, I have this investment and I need to do something with it, but there was this fear of, I have this. And, and I had to deliver the same message, which was, it's okay, enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I, I think what, what we have to just go back to and what creates a place of safety within that is making sure that we recognize who owns it, yeah. that we want to honor him with it, yeah. and continue to serve others and steward. be a blessing and steward it well. And I think that's ultimately what makes the difference between someone who has and does not have that framework uh, of safety than those that, that do. So I think when we operate with, within that, it's yeah. absolutely okay. There, We want to take a break and really honor our platinum sponsor, uh, First Capital Bank. Um, First Capital Bank, as I've been a part in, I'll say this, the customer service that's associated with that bank, I have never come across in my career. I've been in business for almost 20 years, and I've never been in a position where I actually wanted to walk into a bank because of the experience, this place you want to walk into. Uh, First Capital Bank, our platinum sponsor, you guys go check them out. All right, back to Dorothea. We're gonna be closing up in just the next few minutes. And I wanna close up on this last point, which was what insights, thoughts, you know, we talked about the psychology of money, which we talk about a psychology a lot in this podcast and how you think the way that you think really has the ability to change your life. Mm -hmm. You are who you are often because of the way that you think. What do you have to tell our audience? What do you have to tell people that they need to know, whether it's about money, the psychology of money, tips that they need to know, what do they need to know? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a huge one. My mind is going all over the place. So. I think I'll, I'll land on two and I'll make them. That's fine. Number, number, number one, uh, uh, we use a course called uh, DeFree and some of the concepts and principles out of that. I'm going to share one of them with you, which is number one, you are not your bank account. You are not your bank account. Wow, that's deep. Okay? Yes. You're not your bank account. So that's yes. relative to whether or not there's a lot in that bank account or there's very little in that bank account. Recognize that is not you. Okay? You're the person that God called you to be. We are his children. That's who you are. You're right. not your bank account. You're not defined by it. You're, you're not defined Whether by it. it's little, you're not little. Exactly. Whether it's big, that exactly. doesn't mean you're the high man on the hill. Exactly. Mm. Okay, so I'll share You can that. just stop right there. Yeah. Just about. Right. <laughs> okay. The second one that I will share is it's important for us in, in, in uh, redeeming this area of our lives, the finances or or uh, building back our financial uh, situation if we have trouble or struggling or whatever, it's important for us to tell ourselves the truth. And what I mean by that is when it comes to taking responsibility for your actions, the mistakes you may have made, the wrong decisions you may have made, the wrong choices, you didn't need to buy that car, you didn't need to buy that house, tell yourself the truth. Be honest with yourself from the standpoint of, you know what, I made some mistakes. I did that wrong. That yeah. wasn't the best thing to do. That's where recovery starts. You have to at first admit the problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So we have to get to the point where we can tell ourselves the truth. I'll leave you with those two. Thank you for sharing that, Dorothea. Like, one of the things that I've learned from my mentors is that 
you have to take a hundred percent responsibility yeah. for mm -hmm. your life. Yes. You have to take a hundred percent responsibility for the decisions that you've made mm -hmm. in your life because where you are at in your life is based off of those decisions. Right. Right. And whether you want to be at that place mm -hmm. or whether you don't want to be at that place, either one of those is okay. Right. Is that okay? We have to accept mm -hmm. and we have to start and move forward. Exactly. Right? Oh my gosh. What a great, what a great point. Thank you for starting there. Um, that reminds me of a few different people and a few different mentors, so God bless them. Okay, um, we always like to, uh, or I always like to end our podcast with a quote that's meaningful to me and meaningful to the people that listen to this. Okay. And I have a feeling that you're going to know this biblical phrase, I don't know where, I don't know where it is at in the Bible, but it talks about money and the root of evil. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you know that verse off the top of your head? Not off the top of my. I think it's Matthew. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what it says about that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Can you tell it to the audience? Either paraphrase it or mm -hmm. say the actual verse. Oh wow, that's a challenge. Okay. <laughs> I so, know. I know we misquote it. Okay. We we use it incorrectly. Okay. Right. Because the verse says that. The money is money is a is a root mm -hmm. of evil, mm -hmm. and where people misquoted it right. is they say that money is the root uh, of all evil. Right. Money is an evil. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Money is a tool right. that's put in our mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. to be able to further a cause or his right. cause. Mm -hmm. And I want people to just walk away knowing that money gives you the opportunity to be able to create options in your life. Mm -hmm. It creates opportunities and it creates the ability to be able to do more things like you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, right now we're at a point where we're going to need to expand out of this office. Like money is going to be used as a tool mm -hmm. to be able to serve more people. Exactly. It's not mm -hmm. serving me. Right. It's served, ultimately it's serving the people that walk mm -hmm. through our doors mm -hmm. because we care about them. So I really want to leave you guys with that is Money is not the root of evil. Money can be a root, right? It is not the root. So don't think that rich people are evil. That's right. Or wealthy people are evil. Mm -hmm. And that people that don't have money are the greatest blessing on earth. It's got, that's so skewed. Yeah, you, you, you're tapping into a whole new podcast right now because, see, my thing and passion is the fact of getting people to the point where we can be distribution centers for the kingdom of God, right? Yeah, yes, yes, and we'll leave it with that. Yeah. Dorothea, thank you so much for spending this time. There have been a really, there's been a few golden nuggets in there that literally were, were like mic drops that we could have stopped. Um, but I wanted to just get that on tape so that we could actually digest this and people could listen to it over and over again and really ultimately answer questions. Um, our, uh, the website that we have is groundtogain.com where you guys can interact with us there. Um, you guys can interact with Dorothea at increasinghope.org. 
Um, you can contact our office directly at Low Country Specific Chiropractic. Um, there are a number of different ways that you can contact us. But guys, I just want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to be in front of you today. And Dorothea, again, thank you so much for your friendship um, and for just what you're doing for this community. It is an honor to serve side by side with you. Thank you for having me back. Thank you, ma'am.